Hey there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mosibo um, Nigerian born, US educated, Korean speaking, wandering intellectual. Whew, Nigerians. That's. The- <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to say something like there's a way being here in the U.S. It might not really work, you know, outside, you know, well, it, it, can, it cannot work in Nigeria because, you know, and you understand why. But being here in the U.S., whenever you go into certain spaces and you spot a Nigerian, there's a way you can tell. I don't know how to explain it without sounding creepy. It's like their blood kind of smells to you, not in the in a real sense of the word. But anyways, I stumbled upon this person in Oklahoma here of all places. And the moment I laid my eyes on them, I, I knew that they were Nigerian. They were, they were Nigerian, and I just, you know, and that was it. So um, his name is Akinola Akinawa, a Nigerian. Well, he used to be an ITAB support um, senior technician at the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation, OMRF. That was why I actually met him, because um, I consulted there with the rheumatologist on lupus research and all that. I mean, he um, holds a bachelor's degree in computer science from Cameron University. Well, his name, popular, he's popularly known as AK, has spent nearly all of his life serving people in various capacities while being rewarded in, with numerous awards for his involvement, commitment, and academic um, excellence. He's very passionate about um, students, especially the college students. I'll talk a little bit about that. So much so that when he was in Cameron University, he launched a student-driven tuition um, scholarship in 2015, basically to um, assist Nigerian non-immigrant students. He owns an independent graphics and web design business called Digiden, that is digital designs and engineering, and spends his spare time teaching, playing music, and volunteering in local churches. He has since relocated to Houston, and he's pursuing a graduate degree in computer sciences at the University of Houston. So everyone join me welcoming Akin to the show. What's up, Black? What's up, guy? Hey, how's it going? I was just going to say, what's up, girl? <laughs> Cause I have a lot of I have a lot of you know girls come on. Like, What's up, girl? <laughs> I know, I know. Anyways, thank you for having me. No, thank you. All right, where do we get started? <laughs> you are a Nigerian immigrant here in the U.S., and I know you came here way, way back. So, can you just tell us a little bit more? I mean, as, as in very few words as possible, just your immigration journey from Nigeria to the U.S. Okay, so um, I came to the United States in 2012 on an F-1 visa. For those who do not know, F-1 is a student visa. That means you're coming to the United States to study in an accredited United States you know, um, institution uh, or university, uh, as we commonly know. Um, and I was in Cameron University in Oklahoma for four years. That's in Lawton. Um, and I did my post-completion OPT with OMRF, Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation. And then I went into a master's degree, and now I'm doing a master's degree. 
Wow. So thanks for painting that. And I know looking at your bio, you actually started a fundraiser for students in Cameron University. That is, you know, very laudable, by the way. And so I have two questions for you. I know the need, you know, being an international, well, being an ex-international student myself, but how did you get that started? And right now, has it formed a life force of its own in such a way that it's able to run without you being there? Right. Okay, so um, how? let's start with the first one about how it started. Um, when I got to Cameron, um, it was very different. It was very different. Not unexpected for someone like me. I had the privilege to have grown up in not a very, you know, um, poverty-stricken background. So I did have... So when you grew up rich, is that what you're trying to say? Just well, say it as it is. Don't be... Try to be modest. You can see right through you. You grew up rich. Your parents had the money. You were born with a silver spoon or maybe golden spoon in your mouth. It's okay, not own it. Really, not really, not really. Because, you know, there's this thing back then, back then. Now it's a very different story um, that we used to call middle class. Because once upon a time, there was this thing called middle class. It's but, been eroded. Yeah. <laughs> it's been eroded. Erosion of the middle class line. I don't, I don't think there's anything like middle class anymore. I tell I, you. Uh, I remember one preacher was saying that middle class is just defined as well-decorated poor people. I don't know anything about that, but uh, I'm just going to throw that there. Okay, so I grew up in, I would say in middle class because like we we had the basics. We had the basics, the basics of living. And um, we... We went into we went to good schools. I went. I'm a King's College old boy, you know. Went to good schools. We had good education, so I had already an exposure to that kind of lifestyle. So it wasn't like a complete culture shock for me. What I was yeah. seeing in the United States was not new to me. And even before I even got there, I did my homework. I did my homework. I did my research about you know the school I was going to. I did my research about the financial constraints that might be involved in such a commitment of coming to the United States. Because, you know, so many people tend to come into this country with the idea that, you know, once you just land inside the United States, they're just going to pour money on you because yeah. you're brilliant. And um, I was surrounded by very many, I, I would say kids, kids, some of them not even up to 18-year-olds, um, being here in the United States and... They thought that there would be scholarship and there'll be money everywhere. Yeah, for being them. that it's paved to gold, right? The streets are paved to gold. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I understand the reason why parents would want to do that, even though I have my issues with how it's being done. Yeah. Um, but um, many of these kids, you can imagine, just, just picture this for a moment. A 17-year-old girl has never been outside Lagos before. And then all of a sudden, she finds herself in the middle of another culture that she doesn't even know. Literally in the middle, because Cameron is like in the middle of, you know... It's in the middle, exactly. <laughs> like in the I mean, Oklahoma is rural enough. Cameron is like the rural of the rural. Never heard of a tornado before. She's, yeah. never been a, she's never done a fire drill before. She's All these things are, are new, you know, and then you know they tell her oh don't worry we're going to sponsor you through school and then one day she calls her parents and say oh daddy there's tuition we have to pay tuition if not we can't enroll for classes and daddy says there's no money in nigeria any longer what happens you know those kind of situations the psychological stress 
I, one of the reasons why I even became, because we had this thing called in Cameron University Nigerian Students Association. Oh, you guys and, had a Nigerian Student Association? Yes. Yes. That is unique because the ones in my, I mean, UT is quite large. University of Texas at Austin, where I got my degree from. And we had an African Student Association. And, you know, when they say African, you know, it's mostly going to be Nigerians. But you guys had a specific one for just Nigerians? Yes, even wow. here in University of Houston, there is an African Students Association and there is a Nigerian Students Association. Dang, you guys are doing too much. Nigeria, we heal. You yeah, I have to shout, keep showing yourself, star. But oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I thought that was unique. I wanted to know that. Right, right. So um, the Nigerian Students Association in Cameron University was first founded, well, kind of like with the way I saw it. Now, I want to believe that the others who had gone before me probably had their own idea of how things should run but i kind of like saw it as probably a party organization that was just there to foster for you know nigerian students by showcasing the culture and everything but i felt that it could be more than that it could not just only be about the independence day and having one party in the independence day or just a, a little hub for nigerians to meet together you know and share nigerian stories and culture which is good there's nothing okay. wrong but it could be more than that in the sense that it could provide support for many of these people who have issues that, you know, are beyond them. There could be a shoulder, an organization structure that could be a shoulder that, you know, could, they could help them out. Yeah. help them out if it could. So beyond yeah. just being a way to raise, you know, um, financial aid for them, you also served as emotional support. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because we good. started... So many um, initiatives there. We started an orientation scheme for Nigerian students. You know, the truth of the matter is that many of these people who come into the United States, I'm not trying to show shade at anybody, but some of them, you know, might have little hygiene issues, you know, or or they don't really get, they don't really know what it is about personal space. Nobody oh, talks. Just the differences in culture and also some individual personal, like differences in personalities and. Let me give you an example. You know, Nigeria, we shout at ourselves all the time. Lovingly. <laughs> you know, uh, you remember those times when daddy's on the phone or mommy's on the phone. Hello, how are you? You know, and you like, she's really, really loud. But so many times we find many of these young kids find themselves very loud. And people will say, oh my God, you Africans are so loud. You know, these kind of little information that you can give these kids you know, and tell them that, okay, this is what we call personal space. You don't just assume that everybody wants to be like right up in your face real close. Yeah. I want to talk to you at that distance. It could be disrespectful to them. Hmm. Other cultures are, there are other cultures just like your own and you're going to have to respect that. There is this thing called stalking. If you like a girl, there is a way you go after it that it won't be creepy yeah. versus you know, loving versus you think loving. you're trying to chase the goal but you could end up in jail for um, invading personal space yeah if you if you if you deal with if you deal sexual activity with somebody who's under 18 bro that's an ultimate foul you don't even you know you don't drink alcohol if you're under 18 these are things that you know in nigeria they don't really talk about so basically 101 ways to avoid prison correct okay. 101 ways to be a law abiding <laughs> Oh, to avoid prison. Okay. Um, so how did you guys get the money part? Like, you know, raising funds. How were you able to raise funds? Um, first, I mean, I'm a Christian. And I believe very much in seed sowing. Okay. And 
um, I started most of it actually with my personal friends. Actually, uh. um, I had started Digiden um, sometime in 2013, um, shortly after I actually got into the United States. And I was just running like, you know, little freelance based independent contracts, you know, for individuals and receiving from here, receiving from there, receiving from here, receiving from there, saving money and being financially smart about things. And Mm -hmm. after a while, I used some of that money and I started it as an initial deposit for the scholarship fund. And then when you come to the university and then the university sees you dropping like, you know, $1,500 and they say, look, I want to start this thing because you're many Nigerians just like me that might be going through this kind of situation. I need help. You know, obviously, you know, someone's definitely going to listen to you. And God being good, I had, there was um, Albert Johnson was his name. He, he actually helped me out with setting up events where we would um, sell different African attire and African accessories and we could gather all of the proceeds, including sponsorships, you know, for the scholarship itself. I see. And how about now? Does it still, I mean, is the scheme still going on or um, what's the situation? I left, I left Cameron University in 2016. We awarded our first scholarship in 2015. Um, it continued even after I left. I carried the tradition. What was just so wonderful, I think one of the biggest blessings about the scholarship itself, not just the fact that I could start a legacy of some sort, of such sort, um, that people might want to try in their own respective schools. If for the first time, I was seeing young Nigerians, like under 24-year-olds, coming together and managing funds that were not their own without any corruption. (coughs) Uh, Without any corruption. And they were genuinely looking for sponsors to Mm -hmm. make sure that they could give other people like them money to go to school. Okay. So it continued. I think the last, the the next generation also gave, in fact, first it was $1,000 a year. Then I think in this, second year after I left, it increased to $2,500. Oh, that's good. Yes. And then I think the president of then, who was a lady, even started another scholarship side by side with that one. So now it's two scholarships. Wow. Uh, that's really good. Paying $1,500 if I remember very vividly. Yeah. Now the scholarship can take care of itself because the way it was set up, the university tends to handle the funds and then it makes money by itself. I'm not sure how they do it, but they explained it. Um, it makes money by itself, I think, through stocks or something like that. And uh, that it can sustain itself um, for any Nigerian student that applies. I it. see. Thank you for that. I, I really commend that effort. Um, I think until I spoke to you, you know, last year when we went for the first time, I think we had this conversation as well. I really didn't understand the plight of, especially those in undergrad, that come from like undergrad, undergrad international students from Nigeria, right. and just how because their undergrads don't have the skills, so a lot of them don't qualify for uh, maybe like a teaching assistantship or a research assistantship, so they're left to fend for themselves. And I remember some of the stories you told me about you know some like you know prostituting their bodies, um, being used as mules for for drugs, um, some just you know having to like hustle. Um, breaking their F1 um, status, like their student status, getting right. odd jobs and might even eventually, you know, lose their 
um, status because they had to hustle because their parents just hustled and scraped you know, everything they had, sent them here and just left them by themselves. And I mean, we can say, yeah, come here and you know, send your kids to the US or any other advanced countries to um, make them have better lives. But if they are just leaving them here without any form of help, I mean, some of them might actually end up dying. I know you told me a story of somebody that died. I mean, he was shot. Like we, I mean, his death still remains unsolved. A Nigerian student here in Oklahoma was just shot, and and that was the end of it. And you know, so I think the moral of the story here is that parents, based especially those from Nigeria. It's not just enough to send your kids here because you want them to have a better, you know, education. Make sure you at least have some form of way in sustaining them just in case they're not able to do it. And more likely than not, these people would not be able to sustain themselves, especially those coming for undergraduate studies. It's just the way the system is set up. Right. The immigration climate now, um, since our discussion, has changed dramatically. And um, I've spoken to so many of these um, other organizations who are in tra- consulting firms. We call them consulting firms in Nigeria that help with the immigration, whole, yeah, package and all of that, visas and all that. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of them, a very good friend of mine, was even telling me that it's very difficult for grad students to even obtain visas into the United States. Um, I really think it's really sad um, where we are at now, especially with. I can get the fact that the United States is thinking so much about protecting its borders and security. That's what they'll tell you. But um, many schools now are having a very sharp decline in how many international students. Yeah, they get. Yeah. In- and I think a lot of that is people actually don't want to apply to the U.S. anymore. Not necessarily because they're denied. I mean, there's still the number in, in the reduction of visas being handed out. But because of the whole scare, like a lot of people are, you know, applying. Because I know, like, when we had a conference, an international conference, that last year when, you know, the whole thing started, like, we were missing a lot of international applicants. And it turned out that most of them didn't even apply in the first place. But you just thought, well, I'm not going to get, you know, this anyways. Um, but I guess, you know, I mean, it's the rule. I don't necessarily agree with the way, you know, it's so stringent. But uh, there's so many um, conversations to be had around this. And I, I mean, it's, it's very murky. Yeah, I agree with you. Immigration is a very hot topic. It is. Um, it is really here hot. Here in the United yeah. States. In fact, I even heard that they've increased the immigrate the visa fees. Oh, yeah. Now you even have to pay reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yeah. That, yeah. So basically the difference between <laughs> what it costs an American to travel to your country. Right. And in Nigeria, like for an F1 visa, you can pay as much as $150 on top of your visa fees. And it's not refundable. Yeah, it's not refundable. Well, um, if our economy was advanced, because I know while we talk about this, students coming from countries like Canada or South Korea, they don't face as much hardships as, you know, people coming from developing countries like Nigeria. So if we were to make our economy stronger, we can increase the tensile strength of our passport, passport and the economy as a whole. And that can also help to make us more presentable, not like, you know, refugees or, you know, um, people that are seeking greener pastures. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the immigration climate is just very different now. And um, the reason why I even brought that up was because, I remember the last time I had asked um, the current president of that association in Cameron about, you know, the status of, you know, of, of the scholarship itself. And there's money. There's just, they had to open up the criterion to um, non-F1 students. Because when I set it up, 
I set it up and I told them and it did receive some level of resistance telling them that uh, I want this scholarship to only be awarded to F1 students who are Nigerian. Oh, so they don't have a lot of people that qualify for that now? don't have they don't have a lot of people anymore oh, I see. So I see. to open up the criterion to other people to also receive from it probably the entire international student body here in university of houston for example in my program almost half of the people who applied for it couldn't even make it to the united states and oh, they were wow. from, they're from countries like china and india and they couldn't even make it well, there's a trade war going on between China now and the U.S., so that could yeah. be a possible reason. And I know with India, um, with the H-1B um, laws, it's greatly affecting them. Do you know that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily? For example, in the U.S. alone, one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month. Well, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these retro qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossable podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you'd love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomo at mostable.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mostable.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. You have such a very uh, impressive um, resume. You seem to dabble a lot between you know, DigiDen and um, what you do with churches like volunteering, using your skills as someone that plays the guitar and whatnot. Um, how do you take care of yourself? I'm just curious to know. Because I don't really get to ask men that question, so I'm curious to know your perspective about that. Uh, work till you burn Especially out. with sleep. <laughs> work till you burn out, and then when you burn out, you sleep it off, and then you live, die, repeat, literally. Um, I'm a type A individual, um, so I tend to always try my best to do the best I can in everything that I'm doing. Now, honestly, I, I learned the hard way that you can't really keep an effective relationship using that strategy, but uh, let's leave that for another day. You have to learn the, the hard way to know that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn. I had to learn. You can't keep an effective relationship using that strategy, but I was just that kind of guy that always wanted to do it. Yes, I can do it. And then, boom, I'm into it. And then whenever I come in into anything, I just do it. So I, I grew up learning a lot of, of skills, um, not just musical skills, but teaching skills. And, well, my philosophy was to just be the best I can for everybody. Okay. You know, because you only get one life. And I believe strongly that the best thing, the best gift you can ever give God is to make full use of everything that he has given you. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, and I there's so many things I knew how to do. And well, you know, back then, you know, even now I've tried to like curb it down a little bit. But you know, then when you are young and you know there is so many opportunities out there, you just take pa 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 and then <laughs> one day you burn out. You know, you burn out. I did burn out one time because at that time I was doing too many things at the same time. Uh-huh. And then but these are kind of like the stages of life where you have to like, you learn 
you learn, you fail, you rise up again, you try something else, you know, it fails and just never really give up. Taking care of myself has been really, really, well, as interesting as painful at the same time. How so? Well, because you get to do so many things for very many people. And there was just that point where, you know, everyone keeps saying that it's very lonely at the top. It's a very true thing. Wait, did you get at the top already? Well, I wouldn't say at the top, but when you are that person where everyone comes to whenever they have an issue. I see, I see. um, There is a level of expectation that people put upon you um, that you have to fulfill. And then when it's now multidimensional, then it becomes something really serious. Yeah, I agree with you. Because I, 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 I relate with that totally. And I think the power should also lie in you to be able to say no. Yes. And understand that no is a complete sentence. Absolutely. And it's difficult for me to say no sometimes to things because I know I can do them all. But I can't really fool myself to think about time and then the burden on me. Not everything is, you know, um, going to be expedient you know to me like what Paul was talking about and not everything will be beneficial to you not in a you know I'm only going to do things that are going to be beneficial to me but some things will burn you out in such a way that you don't even have any pleasure left to do the other things that are important right I think knowledge of yourself knowing your limitations as a person and those that are asking to do stuff for them and you're doing it and the day you say no they should be able to respect the fact that oh this guy always says yes for him to say no they should take you with the same you know, level of importance that, you, that no should carry as much weight as your yes. Right. You know, so many of us um, fall into that trap of trying to please ourselves by pleasing others. Mm-hmm. And I know I was somebody who was really like that. And it helped me in a way because, you know, as I kept trying to do things for other people, I was learning new skills and, well, the, the trick I was thinking was that I could manipulate it in such a way where if I keep helping others with what I know, I keep learning things, new things, new things. And that is true to an extent, but at what cost, though? What cost, exactly. To your health, to your sleep, to your sanity? It wrecked me. In fact, I remember my junior year of, of, of you know, of being in Cameron, it wrecked me. Like, I found myself being the president of two organizations at the same time. I was the secretary of a third one. I was um, I was traveling about uh, say 88 to 90 miles between Lawton and Oklahoma City to play piano for a church in Oklahoma City, and I'd have to come back. I was just doing too many things at the same time. At the same it time, wrecked, it wrecked my relationships. It wrecked, and it was just because I had not learned how to manage myself first before learning how to manage other people. Because yeah. Yeah, so it was just a very big learning experience. And, you know, there'll be people out there that, you know, just don't really know, like, they, they just tend to want to do and want to do and want to do, and they tend to try to make it look like they're doing it because of love and everything. It's it's great to always want to help, but you can only help when you are a complete person. If you're not a complete person, then whatever, you, you can only give what you have. That's yeah. true. That's true. It's like say it's like what um, that African proverb like, never trust the mad naked person that gives you clothes or something like that. Right. Or that you know you know put on your um, oxygen mask first on yourself first so you can be able to help others. And and I feel like churches need to preach this more often as well. As far as not like self love like a hashtag like you know love yourself, 
but you really need to learn how to love yourself first and and then from that love you have of yourself you can be able to give it to other people and i'm i feel like i'm talking to myself because like you i'm still trying to get it i think i i'm not I'm, i used to be very bad at it like really bad at it because i was just that myself was that that thing i would put last and i guess maybe because you know growing up the way i did and being the first of you know of three and being female as well whatever the factors and my personality type of can do can do can do just a little bit more a little bit more but it gets to a point where you start you, you don't even have respect for yourself anymore that's just the basic thing very true very you know true. and and you just i mean depression for for one thing anxiety and then not sleeping and it's like is it a depression that's not making you sleep or is it a sleep that's not making that's making you depressed and things like that you just have to realize that okay at the point you just have to give back to yourself and pause everything and listen to what does more want right now is more really able to do this genuinely if more says no you know that that i mean you don't have to worry about whether they're going to accept the no or not the no coming out from your mouth is a complete sentence you don't even have to start explaining why your no is a no no you know the way you say yes and people just say oh really they just say yeah once you say yes just dump it in your lap they don't want to ask you why you're saying yes why can't it why can't it just accept that no is also as complete as yes you know so you have to take that um power back because nobody's gonna give it to you because people just want to take and take because we like to give and give right right you know um i remember one of the biggest um lessons like to just prove the point that you had just mentioned was i remember there was this award ceremony in school i won i think about four or five university awards back to back wow uh, all of the great things you're like oh my god ak you've done because people call me ak right Mm-hmm. And oh my God, AK, you're doing so great! Like, wow, you have so many awards and all that. But I was half asleep and almost morally depressed throughout the whole thing. So people were even enjoying the award more than I was. I was oh just... gosh, yeah, you're speaking my language right now. Like you, like yeah, like that monkey trying to yeah. go on to the next branch. Like, what's next? What's next? What's next? You're not even living in the moment anymore, guy. No, you're speaking my language. It's... It's not life. It's not life. I, I I really thank God for the opportunity for me to have been a blessing to the community that I was. Mm. But then I presume that once I had just reached that rock bottom, it was time to change the paradigm yeah. on main learning to live life for me and then for others. For others, for others. I'm not like to just live life like, you know, freely, unhinged. But being bounded by, you know, the love of God and just how he wants you to be, to express yourself fully and enjoy life fully. And once you get to that point, then, you know, you can start taking care of others because you can only give what you have. That's true. Yeah. And so I'm just curious, you know, what, what will be your message? Especially to men. I don't have a lot of men on the show, so I'm just going to use you as a focal point to talk to the men folk. Because there's this way we depend on, I'm, I'm a little bit classic, classic when it comes to that. I mean, there's this way we depend on men for strength that they can do stuff and they can do stuff. And maybe right. they themselves don't really know how to say no because they don't want to seem, you know, really weak. What would you say, um, like, as a word of just encouragement in self-care and, you know, mental health and all of that? Um, the greatest deliverance that I feel most men need to have is the deliverance from people's expectations. Mm. Um, 
so many men right now are dying inside from different forms of expectations. The expectation to be wealthy, the expectation to marry a good wife, the expectation to find a good wife, the expectation to provide for, you know, your family. So yeah. many different kinds of expectations are just flying over the place. And the thing is that most men, we don't usually talk about these things mm. because, you know, the cultural perception of the man is that he has to be strong. You know, he has to be strong and he does not need to show his emotions and stuff like that. I remember this very amazing TED Talk from Brene Brown. Oh my God, it was a, it's a life changer. If you've not heard it, you should listen to it. Which one of but them? Is it the, the one on... The power of what? Vulnerability. Oh, vulnerability. That's an old one, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. timeless because, you see, the truth of the matter is that very many of us, we don't want to be vulnerable. But the problem with that is that when you're not vulnerable and you numb yourself from all of the grief and all of the pain trying to hold everything together and try to just keep pushing on like that you numb the joy the peace and the happiness as well human emotions come in a full package you can't just take one say i i want isolated joy. yeah <laughs> once this one no it comes in the whole package so if you numb one you know, so many men right there, my word of encouragement to them is there's nothing wrong in being vulnerable to admit to yourself what you are capable of doing and what you are not capable of doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Take the one you can do and run with it. I like you know, that. Run with it. I run with it. I like that. Like just basically disabuse yourself of the expectations people have of you. Right, right. Let people right. know what you are capable of doing. It's 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 just the truth. Now, I'm not saying that you should not be hardworking. I'm not saying that you should not be sensitive to other people, the people, your responsibilities. You know, because every well, I want to believe that most men have responsibilities. They should have responsibilities. Yeah. Just women to have their own responsibilities. Yeah. But you have to stand up to your responsibilities, but also realize that as human beings, we all have limitations, okay. and sometimes respecting that limitation to yourself is vital to living a like a much more quality life thank you for that and even though um Akin is addressing men women can also fall on that spectrum so um we're not trying to be saying we're not trying to say only men you know go through all of those branches some of the discussions <laughs> here, I'm like, that kind of also applied to me as a lady but i guess you know it's about knowing your limitations your, your personality and just really knowing that saying no and taking care of yourself, those are really important things to learn. All right, finally, finally I know you're single right now and ready to mingle. So um, can any of my listeners slide into your DM what kind of sliders you want? I sound I, like a pimp right now. Uh, <laughs> a pimp name? Shit. I would, I would do Facebook for now. Facebook, you can just search my name, Akela Akela, and uh, I believe it or not, I do the Instagram. You're a heartbreaker. I know you broke one of my friend's heart, so... Uh, <laughs> why should we trust this time around <laughs> it's not like that it's not like that I don't think it was really like I think it was just a problem of miscommunication and communication is a very very big thing that um, you lack <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get back at you a little bit for my friend I'm sure she'll like this part <laughs> it was, it was. I know you guys are good now don't, don't mind me I know I know I like that the simple biggest problem 
with communication is the assumption that, that it had taken place. Um, I think every wife will agree with that, especially when it comes to their husband. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like you know generalize anything right now. <laughs> yeah, but it's communication. So what kind of what kind of what kind of? No, I, I get that. Look, let's let's go back to this main question. What kind of girls are you like? Not girls, but what's your what's your spec? <laughs> My specifications. Um, I'm a very technical guy, um, but not boringly technical. So uh, it would help if uh, the person had, you know, some level of idea about, you know, what's going on with the world. Of course, <laughs> someone is yeah, intellectual. You want an intellectual type? Some, not not super into. I mean, not that super. Is it mass and English should be talking in the house? It's not mass and English. Should be someone that can carry on a conversation. But yes, there has to be some level of. She has to at least understand how to carry on, create conversations, and respond to conversations. Okay. I think it's a test, a very good sign of maturity. Yeah. Um, of course, Christian, she has to be female, you know. Like female, um, female, or male to female? Uh, female. You want organically female? Like birth yeah. certificate female? <laughs> it's okay. I, I don't, I don't, I won't judge if you say no, but like, or say yes, whatever. Yeah. I just want to be very clear so I can send him a message across. I'm so TV right now. Very different world right you all now. need to see his face right now. I can see him blush. <laughs> uh, age, age specifications. Um, age, I would say late twenties would be my ideal. Why not just go, why not just drop them from the cradle and say late fives? Late <laughs> <laughs> twenties. Kind of yeah, honey. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so to the females listening, um, Aki is quite tall. I think you're like five seven or five eight. Five eleven. Five eleven. Five eleven. Will. Five eleven, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Five eleven. Uh huh. Almost six foot. Anyways, um, so this is Aki. I have you know talked. We've talked a lot about just immigration, moving from the from Nigeria to the US. Um, going to school here. Um, obtaining a bachelor's degree and then moving to Houston to study a master's in um computer sciences we also talked about uh, sleep and mental health and self-love and also his um dating profile i should probably ask you about grad school but i i guess it's too soon to tell probably bring you back on the show to talk about that um but i do wish you the best lots of that stories lots yeah of yeah i know i know don't worry, um, let me let you settle down i know you just started your first semester but um, really excited for you and um, thank you for coming on the show really really appreciate it thank you for having me Mel. no problem well enjoy the rest of your night and guys thanks for listening to this episode with Aki if you love this content go on the website and go you know listen to more episodes you can also listen on Anchor I actually prefer that platform because I get paid for every um, person that listens or shares or downloads so don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Anchor or share with your friends and if you want to be on the show, just you know, go on the website www.mosibyl.com and scroll over to the contact us page. Leave your information there, and I'll get back with you because I love to share stories. You know, I would like to hear uh, as many diverse stories and featuring many people and process as many as possible, as much as possible. All right, guys, I'm your host, Masi. We'll catch you guys on another episode of the show. Good night. <laughs> hey. I'll catch up with you. I want to hear more about your grad school stuff. Sure, sure, sure. We'll do. We'll do. All right. Thanks. Amen. All right, bye. Yeah, this one went really smooth. Oh, yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. It was it was just natural, I think. I think it's it's a lot better than the first one. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye. Right, bye-bye. Bye. bye.
Hey listeners, this has been another episode of the Marcible Podcast. What do you think about today's episode? Do you have a question or feedback you'd love to provide? A suggestion for a future guest? We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram at Marcible or email us at talktomo at Marcible.com. Your suggestion might just end up being featured on a future episode of the podcast. We cannot wait to hear back from you. Do visit our official website at www.mostable.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and amazing guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Leave us a rating or review as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and reaching more amazing listeners like you. We always appreciate your support. Thank you for always listening. Go favor you.